0: Aren't you glad he sees the end from the beginning? Amen? And uh, he sees what we don't. What a great song. Appreciate that very much. Turning, if we would, in your Bibles to John chapter 10. we continue our series of messages on the I am's of Christ. The I am's of Christ. There are seven of them found in the Gospel of John in which Jesus said, I am. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He said, I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so we're covering these. And we've come through four of them. John chapter 10 will also be uh, in Psalm 22. This will be a two-part message. So we're going to cover I am, I am the good shepherd. And it'll be a two-part message. So today we'll cover Psalm 22. Psalm 22. So you need to be in both places. John 10 and then Psalm 22. Look with me in Psalm 10. And, uh, I'm sorry, Psalm 10. John 10. John 10 verse 11. I am the good shepherd. Jesus speaking now. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is uh, an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own sheep... Verse 12. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he is an hireling, and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice. And there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. Verse 18. No man taketh it from me. Talking about his life. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Today we won't be covering This particular passage, an expository message, we'll do that next Sunday. So hopefully you come back next Sunday and we'll explain what the Lord's saying here uh, as far as the rest of this passage is concerned. Today we're going to deal primarily with I am the Good Shepherd and go back in the Old Testament and see the correlation and the connection with Psalm 22. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you again, Lord, for your love and what a blessing it is to be with our church family this morning and those who are visiting with us. And I pray, God, that you would just do what only you can do, and that is give me wisdom, help me as I speak, help me as I preach, give me the word to say, and be with the listeners. Help them, and give, help them to be attentive this morning. And Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. The I am's of Christ, Jesus said here, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. We think about the I am's of Christ when he said, I am the resurrection or I am the lie of the world. He is going back to Exodus chapter three, verse 14. He is referencing back to Exodus chapter three and verse 14, where Moses was called of God to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. And Moses asked the question of God. He said, God, when I go to Egypt and I tell the Jews that, hey, that I've I, I come to bring you out, whom shall I say sent me? What, who did I tell them that sent me? And God said to Moses, you tell the Jews, you tell those there in slavery and those in captivity in Egypt, I am that I am have sent you. I am that I am. Not I was, not I will be, but I am. And so God revealed himself in a new way, if you would, a new name to the children of Israel. And I'm thankful God reveals himself to us. He wants us to know him. And so in the Old Testament, there are many names which God helps and gives to us to help us understand who he is. Whether it's Jehovah Jireh or Jehovah Nisi, you know, God provides, a, a Jehovah, uh, sh- on and on and on. God gives us his names. And here it's I am that I am. The I am is one that, The name means singular. It means there is no other. There is no other God besides, besides Jehovah God. He is singular. He is the I am. He is the self-sufficient one. He needs no other. He is the supply. And I've tried to demonstrate this over the last few weeks, but he doesn't have to go to Dollar General and get anything. He is the supply. He doesn't have to go borrow anything. He is the supply. He, He gives life. He doesn't have to go get life. He is life. And he gives that life to us. He is the I am that I am. Christ is the eternal I am. And again, this is a way in which Christ is demonstrating for us or illustrating for us His works. He's saying, I am the door. and This is part of my work. This is what I'm doing for you. For you. We've studied already that, that I am the resurrection. He is the life. He brings life. He is eternal life. In John 8, verse 12, we studied when Jesus said, I am the light of the world. In other words, He is the life giver. <laughs> he is the Son S U N. He gives life. Uh, by the way, the S U N is necessary for life. Can I tell you that Jesus Christ is necessary for life? The Sun <laughs> is free. Salvation is free. The S U N is free until the government figures out how to tax it. The sun brings comfort, it brings warmth, as Jesus brings warmth and comfort. And then Jesus said to us, You are the light of the world. And then in John 6, he says, I am the bread of life. Referring to the Old Testament manna, which was brought down by God, sent down by God to the children of Israel there in the wilderness. I am the bread of life. That bread was free. It is not earned. It was given. Now it must be received. They had to pick it up off the ground in order for them to be able to eat it. They had to, they had to pick it up. They had to take part in it. In other words, a personal decision, a decision for Christ is a personal decision. You have to believe. You have to trust in Him. We can't make those decisions for our children. Those decisions aren't made for us. We make the decision to put our trust in the Lord. The bread of life satisfies. It sustains. It feeds the hungry soul. There are millions upon billions of people today looking for contentment, looking for peace. The bread of life is the only one who brings peace and contentment. It feeds the hungry soul. Jesus Christ feeds the hungry soul. And then last Sunday we covered the I Am of Christ found in John chapter 10, the the first part of this chapter we just read, where he says, I am the door. I am the door of the sheep. And of all the I Am's which are given to us in the Gospel of John, this is the most simple one. Everybody can relate to a door. It lets you in, it lets you out. Jesus Christ is the door. He's the one who lets us out. He's the one who lets us in. By the way, he is the door that's always open. I'm thankful he is no respecter of persons that all come to him, can receive him, and have eternal life. He is the only door. We use the illustration of the ark. When Noah built the ark, there was only one door. One door. And can I tell you, there's only one door to heaven. There's only one way to to be reunited with our Heavenly Father, and that's through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Again, Jesus said, and we'll cover this particular I am the very last when he said in John I am the way the truth and the life he didn't say he was the best way he didn't say was part of the way he said I am the only way emphatically I am the only way he is the door he is the door of life turn over if you would to Psalm 22 and we'll stay the rest of the message here in Psalm 22 Psalm 22 23 and 24 are Psalms written by David King David they're the songs of David. Generally speaking, when you find one of the psalms, Psalm 22, you'll find all three together. They're grouped together. Psalm 22, 23, and 24. Psalm 22 is a messianic psalm. It means that it's a psalm prophetically speaking to us about Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 3 says that David, King David, was a prophet. Never, never, never ascribes David as being a priest but it does ascribe to David as being king, and we know he was king, but it also says he was a prophet. And so King David, when he wrote many of these psalms, he prophesied concerning the coming Messiah, Jesus Christ, who would come. And Psalm 22 is a messianic psalm in that it speaks about Jesus Christ. It prophesies, David's prophesying about Jesus Christ. We know this emphatically because Hebrews chapter 2, verse 12 and 22 in the New Testament tell us, that this passage is referring to Christ. So there's no doubt about it. That's what it's referring to. David was referring to Jesus Christ. Again, the group of these psalms are generally speaking put together. This grouping follows the shepherd theme in the New Testament. In other words, there are three primary references to the shepherd in the New Testament, and they correlate or they correspond with these three psalms. Psalms 22, Psalm 23, and Psalm 24. Psalm 10, verse 11 that we just read, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. That's Psalm 22. Psalm 22 is describing the death of Jesus Christ. Him giving his life for the sheep. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20 through 21 says, Now the God of peace that, bring, that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, Through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect or complete in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is pleasing in his sight through Christ Jesus. This is describing the work of Christ in that he is tending to us now. So it's describing Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Psalm 22, describing Christ's death. Psalm 23, describing the present working of Christ, that he is working in us to complete us. He's working through us, and he's working in us and through us. And then, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 4, and when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. This is Psalm 24. Psalm 24 referencing, prophesying concerning the return of Christ at the end of the battle, or at the end of the Battle of Armageddon, when he returns. When he returns and defeats the enemies. He is going to return, by the way. One day he's coming again. And so the good shepherd, Psalm 22, the great shepherd, Psalm 23, the chief shepherd, Psalm 24. Describe him this way. Psalm 22 describes the cross. Psalm 23 describes the crook of the staff of the shepherd that's caring for us and tending the sheep. Psalm 24 describes the crown. Psalm 22 describes Christ as dying. Psalm 23 is living, working in us and through us. Psalm 24 is reigning, Psalm 22, the Savior is dying for us. The Savior describes the Savior. Psalm 23 describes the shepherd. Psalm 24 describes the sovereign. He's above all. Psalm 24, He's above all. He's sovereign. Psalm 22 describes the past, what Christ did for us in the past when He died on the cross for us. Psalm 23 describes the present, how He's working in us now, working for us and and through us and so forth. And then Psalm 24 is the future. Psalm 22, past. Psalm 23, present. Psalm 24, future. And then lastly, we think about Psalm 22 as the grace of God. God's unmerited favor in sending His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. The grace of God displayed there on the cross of Calvary. And then Psalm 23, we think about guidance. That here and now, Jesus Christ is guiding us. He's leading us. Proverbs says, "...lean not unto thy own understanding, and all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths." I'm thankful today that I lean on Jesus. He will direct me. He will guide me. He will lead me. He is the great shepherd. And then lastly, the glory. Glory. Jesus one day is going to return and we'll spend forever with him in glory. Jesus Christ's works described again as the shepherd. This is a wonderful illustration for God again to help us understand the relationship between us and Jesus. Jesus. That he is our shepherd. In our day and age, it's hard for us to really grasp this illustration as well as they would have in Jesus's day. When John, when Jesus was speaking in John chapter 10, and he said, "I am the shepherd," everyone there in that crowd would have known exactly what a shepherd does, what you know, what, it's, what his role is, and everything. Whereas we, you know, we're we're distance from that uh, agricultural uh, setting, and so therefore it just doesn't impact us the way it ought to. Shepherding sheep and raising cattle are different. There, there is a big difference. Um, my great-grandfather, my, my papa, my dad have had cattle, so I was around it growing up, and uh, they're on the farm. And I'm not saying raising cattle's not work, because there is some work to it, but there's not near the work in raising cattle as there is in raising goat and sheep. It's just not the same. You know, with, with uh, cows and, and uh, so forth, you, 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 you go check on them every day to make sure they're still there. With sheep, you better, you better check them over. And goats, you better check them over. To, to, you know, are they hurt and so forth. They, they just, they're, they're dumb for the most part. Um, with, with cows, you can keep them in a fence pretty good. With goats, it better be a very good fence. And sheep, it better be a very good fence. Because if you don't have a good fence, they're escape artists artists, they will get out. If they can get their head through, just about if they get their head through, they can get out of that hole. We found that out pretty quick with our goats. Uh, goats and sheep require more maintenance. I mean you have to they have, have to be on a, a regimented you know, schedule of medicines and wormers and all sorts of things and I'm finding that out with these stinking goats. Just just piling more money into it, more money into it, more money into it. There's a difference, yeah. My dad's a witness to it now. There's a difference. Again, I'm not saying that cattle aren't work. They are. I've, I've helped work cattle when I was a kid and teenager, and there's lots of things that go into that. But sheep and goat are different. They're just different. A little more maintenance required. A little better fences required. And the emotional part of it is different. Goats are different than cows. They act different. Goats act a lot like dogs. It's amazing how, and I've already said this, I know, but continue the illustration. I mean, goat, I was sitting there yesterday and I sat on a bench in our goat pen and them little goats were coming up and just wanted me to pet them. They wanted to be petted. And so they come up, pet me, and then when I stopped doing it, they'd start nudging me or chewing on my shirt. It was just, it's awesome. I just never would have thought an animal like a goat and a sheep are very similar would show affection that way, a lot like a dog, a lot like a, uh, not a cat, cats show no emotion. Unless you have a dat, which is a dog cat, there's, anyway, it's a whole nother story. But they show emotion, in other words, and then what happens with, and God used this animal for a reason, God used the goat and the sheep for a reason, because as they made these sacrifices and as they offered up sheep and goat for sacrifices, the owner also became very attached to that that sheep or to that that goat. Became very attached to it because they are affectionate. And so you name the little one, you know, Jasmine or uh, Leon or whatever you name them and, and you become attached to them. You become attached to them. It's just different. Cattle and sheep are different. It's just different. that's the analogy he's making here, that that Jesus Christ is the shepherd. He cares so much. He cares so much for his sheep that he would give his life for them. A hireling won't. The Pharisees and Sadducees, those hirelings, they wouldn't give their life for the sheep, but Jesus would. He loves them. He loves us. He gave his life. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. What What a wonderful thought. What a wonderful shepherd we have. Psalm 22 describes not only the physical anguish and and torture that Jesus Christ went through, but the spiritual and emotional suffering that Jesus Christ experienced. And in many ways, Psalm 22 describes for us in a greater way than the Gospels do of the suffering of Jesus Christ. It's certainly more vivid as to what he suffered when it comes to emotional and relational and spiritual. So let's look at Psalm 22 real quick, verse 1. We see, number one, the suffering of the Savior. We covered this on a Wednesday night two or three years ago, but let's go through it this morning with with the Sunday morning crowd. Psalm 22, verse 1. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? Well, if you've read your New Testament and you've, you've read Matthew 27 or you've read Luke 23 or John chapter 19, Uh, You're familiar with the words of Jesus Christ while he was there on the cross as he was being crucified when he cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? These words were said by Jesus Christ on the cross. He was forsaken by his father at 3 p.m. on that crucifixion day when the world became dark. The world became dark. You say, well, it was an eclipse and blah, blah. No, that's, that's, that's preposterous. No, it was a miracle. The world became dark. God turned his back on his only begotten son. Fellowship was broken between God and his son. Why? Because the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Amen. Jesus Christ took the sins of the world upon himself there on the cross of Calvary. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, For he, that is God the Father, made him God the Son to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteous of God in him. Jesus Christ took the took the, uh, the role of, uh, of the substitute, and there he died for my sins. He shed his blood for my sins. He died for my sins. He took upon the sins of the world, and therefore, since the sins of the world were upon him, God could not look at him, and he turned his back. This is described in Psalm 22, verse 3, it says, but thou art holy. The answer to why God turned his back is because God is holy, and he cannot look upon sin. And then look at verse 6. It says, but I am a worm, describing Jesus Christ. It says, but I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despise the people. Here was Jesus Christ who took upon the sins of the world. And the Bible describes him as being a worm. And this particular worm is speaking about the worm that they used and they crushed to make garments for kings that was red. It was called crimson red. And this worm he's describing is the worm that he was and when he was crushed for us, that he shed his blood for us. That his blood flowed from his veins in order that we might have... By the way, the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. The blood of Christ and the death of Christ are not synonymous. They're both required. They're both required. The death and the blood. Jesus Christ was crushed on the cross for us. He was crucified for us. Why? To meet the law, that the justice that the law demands. To meet the justice that the law demands. I was describing this to someone yesterday and I said, you know what? You say you're on the highway and you got caught going over hundred miles an hour. Normally that means I understand some of the time that the policeman's going to say, well, you can't just pay this when you have to go talk to the judge. You're going to go really stand before a judge and talk to him. You go before the judge. I mean, you, you were going that fast. I've never gone that fast. I don't know. I don't want to say that publicly. But I'm saying you went that fast, and therefore now you must meet the judge, and therefore the penalty. When you get in there, the judge says, hey, Did you do Yes, I'm, I'm guilty. I, I went 110 miles an hour. There, there is a penalty to be paid. Can I tell you? The Bible says the wages of sin is death. The penalty of sin, this, the penalty of being selfish by nature, the penalty of sin is death. Now, that separation from God, being separated from God, but it's also, according to Romans chapter 20, that it's the death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. Jesus Christ came and paid that sin debt for us. He died on the cross for us. He, He took upon the sins of the world for us. He died in my place. I am the good shepherd. I give my life for the sheep. By the way, the word for means instead of. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep instead of the sheep. He gave his life instead of us having to give our life. He was our substitute. He took God's wrath for us. The judge stood there and pronounced judgment upon me. And yet Jesus stepped in and took that payment for me. He took that penalty for me. Aren't you thankful to that, Christian, today? He was despised and rejected of men, the Bible says. He came into his own, and his own received him not, according to Isaiah 53 and John chapter 1. He, he suffered as no other man suffered. In fact, Philippians describes it as the death of the cross. Not a cross, but the cross. The suffering Savior. He was despised of men. <clears throat> he was mocked at. Look at verse 7, Psalm 22. All that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip. They shake their heads, saying... He trusted in the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him now, seeing that he delighteth in him. And he went on and on and on. We know this is referencing to the New Testament where they mocked him. And they they shouted up to the cross, listen, he saved himself. He's the king. He saved himself. Let him save himself. Mocking him. Ridiculing him. We're talking about the God of the universe. The God who created the sun, moon, and stars. God in the flesh. Being mocked and ridiculed by his creation. The mocking. Can I kind of remind you that words hurt? You say, well, he was God, but he's also man. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me is a lie. I remember a lot more from my childhood when it comes to words than I do any spanking I ever got. I remember a couple of spankings, but the words, I remember more often than I ever do the spanking. Words hurt. And that's what it's describing here is that it's describing that the words of, of those who were mocking him did hurt Jesus. As a man, it did hurt him. He was brutally beaten. Man, the brutality of men, in verse 12, it describes the, the, the crowd as bulls and lions and wild dogs who encircled him there at that crucifixion day and and the physical torture he went through, the cruelty of man. Verse 14, look with me there. He said, I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. Describing Jesus on the cross as being exhausted and all his bones out of joint and his heart melting. Verse 15 describes him as thirsty. It says, my strength is dried up like a potter's shed. My tongue, what? Cleaveth to my jaws. And thou hast brought me into the dust of the death. Remember there on the cross in John chapter 19, when he was on the cross, he said, I thirst. I thirst. Describing again the cruelty of the awful sacrifice that he made. Verse 16, look there with me. For dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. Well, that certainly doesn't describe King David. It's describing Jesus Christ on the cross where they pierced His hands and pierced His feet. They stretched His body. Look at verse 17. I may tell all my bones, they look and stare upon me. His his, his bones were out of joint. he, he He could look down, he could see his bones exposed because of the torture he went through. Verse 19, we see the callousness of man. Look at verse... Make sure I get the verse right here. Verse 18. They part my garments among them. They cast lots upon my vesture. I mean, here was the callousness of man. Not only the cruelty of man. Not only the mocking that went on. But the callousness of man. That they would sit at the feet of someone who was dying. They would sit at the feet of a cross where a man was dying. And they would gamble over his clothes. They were desensitized to the point. They were callous to the point that they would gamble over a man who was dying in front of them and would gamble over his clothes. Mm. Jesus Christ was hit on every side, inside and out. Yet he's, the Bible says that God saw the travail of his soul and was satisfied. In other words, when God looked down, he saw his son there hanging on the cross, there dying, and yet he was satisfied because, again... Jesus Christ, the God-man, had taken our sins and paid the penalty for us. He appeased the righteous demand of the law. In verse 22, you have the significant change in the tone of this particular psalm. The first 21 verses are about the death and the cruelty that Jesus Christ would go through, both physically, emotionally, and spiritually. In verse 22, you see it turn. It says, I will declare thy name. Verse 22, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. Ye that fear the Lord, praise him all ye see to Jacob. Look at verse 24, for he, hath this, for he hath not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. Verse 25, my praise shall be of thee in the great congregation. The meek shall eat and be satisfied. Verse 27, all the ends of the world will remember and turn unto the Lord. Verse 28, for the kingdom of the Lord's And he is the governor among the nations. A little bit different tone, isn't it? Verse 29, and all they that be fat upon the earth shall eat and worship. Verse 30, we'll read verse 30 and 31. A seed shall serve him. It shall be accounted to the Lord for a generation. And they shall come and shall declare his righteousness unto a people that shall be born. And he, for he hath done this. And so we see the change here. In the psalm, and then we see the results of what Christ did on the cross. What are the results of that? Well, that one day, He, he will be praised. By the way, we're praising Him now. He's, his victory assures life for His people. I'm thankful I have life. I'm, I know I've got physical, I'm talking about eternal life. And then verses 30 through 31, the victory also is seen through the regeneration of the, those who have been saved, the seed that was promised. Isaiah 53 says, he saw his seed, he prolonged his days. In other words, when Jesus was on the cross, he looked down through time, he saw you, he saw me, he saw those who would accept him and he stayed on the cross and died for us because he loved us and he, he knew what was going to transpire and what was going to take place. But one day it says there, verse 31, that every Seed will bow before him. Hello? One day every knee will bow. Philippians chapter 2 verse 11 says that every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess of things in heaven, things of earth and things under the earth and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of the glory of God the Father. Listen, every person every person that's ever been born, one day will kneel before him. Every person at that great white throne, every knee will bow. Every knee will bow. He's coming again. Jesus Christ died an awful, cruel, merciless death for you and for me. Are you saved this morning? Do you know Jesus Christ is your Savior? Has there been a point in time when you've accepted Him and put your trust in Him? I hope today, if you haven't, that you'd come forward and let us show you from the Bible how you can have eternal life. And Maybe if you're watching this morning, you would let us know. We'd love to show you. From the Bible, how your sins can be forgiven, how you can have a home in heaven. He is the good shepherd. He gave his life for you. Christian, how does this impact us? What do we do with this message? we're reminded that the, the shepherd loves us, loves us so much that he gave his life for us. I believe anybody who can give their life for someone, we, we ought to trust them. Amen. They're willing to give their life for, for me, I'm going to trust them. My kids trust me, I, I think they think I would give my life for them. I hope my wife knows that I would give my life for her. We put our trust in him. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen next week. But I can trust him. Because he loved me and gave his life for me. And then understanding he is is the good shepherd. He gave his life for me. He's the great shepherd. He's tending to his flock now. He's promised to never leave us nor forsake us. He is here tending to the flock. And then he's the chief shepherd. He will return one day and he will rule and reign forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Ever and ever. One day he's returning and that day could be today. I look forward as Christians, we ought to look forward to that blessed hope, the return of Jesus Christ. He is the good shepherd who gives his life for the sheep. Are you saved this morning? Is he your shepherd? He is the great shepherd, tending to the flock. He loves you. He's tending to the flock, supplying the needs of those who are saved. And he's the chief shepherd. One day he's going to return. Psalm 22, Psalm 23, Psalm 24. He is the shepherd. Let's all stand. Him 534 Cleanse me. Is he your shepherd? Do you know him as your Savior? If not, we, we invite you to come forward. Let us show you from the Bible. Someone, a counselor here will show you from the Bible how you can have eternal life. Christian, this morning, maybe just a good reminder of the love of Jesus. A good reminder that he's tending the flock, that he loves you and he cares for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love and your grace and your mercy. We thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die for us, to be buried and rise again from the dead, that we might have eternal life. Lord, we look forward to the blessed hope of his return. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name, amen. On behalf of our church and staff, thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons and more information about our church, please visit hbchazlitt.org.